listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. This is not only a new year, but today's the first day of the 21-day fast that we're doing, uh, setting ourselves apart and believing God for the supernatural in this new year. And as you guys have been watching, you know that we've been confessing since last year, since the final quarter of last year, that 2020 is going to be a year of violent increase, expedited favor, and that we're going to see God move so quickly in our lives, our ministries, our families, that by the first half of the year, when it comes to it on June 30th, we're believing God that every answer will already have come. Every need will be met. Everything that we're believing for will have already come to pass. And that the second half of the year is going to be a year, a, a part of the year where we're going to have to get all new goals, uh, all new uh, purpose from the Lord, because he'll so quickly fulfill his plan in our lives in 2020 that it'll it'll be literally what we'll, what we used to do in one year. Uh, you know, we'll be able to do in half of a year. And then really, this will be like a year where we'll accomplish more double for the Lord than we normally do. And I'm believing that. I'm standing with you. That's what we've been praying for. Now we're fasting and praying, setting ourselves apart. And I'm pumped up, man. I'm ready for this fast. I'm ready for what God has planned for our lives and our families. It's going to be supernatural. I believe it's going to be so uh, evident, so evident and clear what we see God doing that people who aren't even serving the Lord will, will be able to clearly see God's working in, on, on their behalf, God's working in their life. And that's what we're praying and that's what we're believing. So set your faith for that. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal year and it's going to be a great 21-day fast. And if you haven't been following us, this is what we're doing from the 2nd, which is today, to the 22nd of January. We're fasting and praying for 21 days and believing God for supernatural increase, violent increase, expedited favor. And so I'm encouraging every one of you that are watching and listening to jump in with us, join us during this time of fasting and prayer, and believe God for supernatural things to happen in your life. And fasting and prayer literally is a system, and I've taken all week this week to teach on it. It's a system God set up so that we can access his supernatural power, his wisdom, his plans for our lives, uh, his direction. In fact, if you were with us on Monday, I took the time to uh, teach on, you know, basically what is fasting. We laid a foundation, what it is, you know, how, how is it done? And then on Tuesday, I gave you seven powerful reasons from the Bible why we should fast and pray. And then, of course, yesterday, if you missed the broadcast, I gave you 21 supernatural benefits of fasting and prayer from the Word of God, 21 supernatural benefits of fasting and prayer. Today, as you saw in the title, we're going to be talking about how to maximize your fast or the time that you're spending in fasting and prayer. How do you maximize that time so that you get the most out of fasting and prayer? Because listen, I'll be very honest with you. Good morning, Alvria, Mary, Philip, uh, Ariana, Letty. Good to see you guys on today. As people are jumping on, take a moment to share the broadcast and let me know where you're watching from today. I really appreciate it. And uh, hey, Philip, 
Karen, good to have you on today. Um, one of the things that we talked about is that you've got to engage in this time of fasting and prayer. You know, one of the mistakes I think people make is that when they go on a fast or they feel, maybe they feel pressured into it because everybody's doing it. And so they just jump on reluctantly and they, they go into their fast, just like hoping for it to be over hope, I, man, I just want this to be over. And so they find everything they can do that'll make the time pass more quickly other than engaging the presence of the Lord. And so they'll sleep, you know, they'll sleep through their fasts or nap. Uh, they'll binge watch shows on Netflix through the fast or, you know, anything they can do, read novels, you know, <laughs> whatever. They'll find things to fill their time. And it's it's not worth it, you know, if to just uh, go on a fast if you're going to waste the time. A fast is a very important time where you're supposed to be seeking the face of God. In fact, back in the day, many people... <clears throat> when they were fasting and praying, they would shut themselves away. They'd shut themselves away from whatever was going on in the world. And they would spend that time to seek the face of God. And uh, so, it, I mean, it's very important. You know, that's where we, the term prayer closet that we've heard so many times, it was a very literal thing. I mean, people would literally lock themselves away and begin to pray and seek the anointing and face of God in times of fasting. And let me just say, and of course we're going for 21 days, but it would be more beneficial for a lot of people if they would do three days or seven days and truly focus and seek the face of God and pray and get into the anointing than people who go on for 21 days and basically sleep the fast away or you know just spend time watching shows and just hoping for it to be done. We don't go on a fast because the fasting itself, the not eating food is supernatural, but fasting is a supplement to prayer. It's something commanded by Christ and it is a supplement to your prayer and it is supernatural, but you've got to engage the anointing of God as you're fasting and praying. That's why I'm doing today's broadcast to talk about how do you maximize that time and your potential in fasting and prayer, what should you be doing? You know, how does it how does it look? Because there's many people that have never fasted before. So, what should it look like as I'm fasting, as I'm praying? What should it look like? How should I uh, how should I be uh, conducting myself, or how should I be seeking the Lord in this time of fasting and prayer? What should my days look like? And so, I'm going to take today to teach on that and show you how you can make the most of your time in fasting and prayer. Uh, just to give you an update. Hey, George. Hey, Kate. Richmond, good to see you. Uh, to give you an update on kind of how it how it looks. Um, you know, we, we announced that we're going to be doing 21 days of fasting and prayer beginning today, ending on the 22nd. Uh, and I understand that not everybody is going to f do a complete total fast of no food for 21 days. There may be people that come on and off the fast. But I had somebody write me yesterday and they asked this question. It's a very valid question. I want to answer it for those of you that are watching and listening. They said, do you recommend that uh, somebody who's going on the fast maybe for the first time uh, versus the 6 to 6 fast, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., would you recommend a, a Daniel fast if they were going to be strict on the fast and do it, not you know making all these big meals? And I said, no, I wouldn't recommend a Daniel fast because of the fact <clears throat> It wasn't actually a fast. It was a diet that he was putting himself on 
until he heard from the Lord. And he didn't know how long that was going to be. Could have been two years, could have been five years, but he was, he was doing that. And the other thing about it is there was no one in scripture, nobody that followed Daniel's example, nobody after him and nobody in the new Testament. So understand it was not something that God considered necessarily a fast. It was something he was doing in preparation of waiting on the Lord to hear from the Lord. But there was no one that followed Daniel's example in scripture and everybody else that fasted in scripture did not eat food. I mean, that's just, there's no other way to say it, that no one else in scripture did what Daniel did. No one followed that example. It was not a, a, a principle or a premise set up by the Holy Spirit to be followed by the body of Christ in the New Testament. Uh, every time Jesus fasted, it was no food. When the disciples fasted, it was no food. When Paul fasted, it was no food. When Moses fasted, it was no food. When Elijah fasted, it was no food. When Joshua fasted, it was no food. So understand that's God's plan. And that's what we're doing. But uh, I understand that there's people that are, that are, there's things that they're doing and there may be, you're new to fasting. I recommend doing 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. with nothing. No, do, you know, do water. Do maybe some tea, some some hot tea, uh, or or some black coffee. You know, don't don't go putting sugar and everything else. Just stay on at hardcore. And, and then if you have to have a meal, you know, after six or whatever, do that. But I don't recommend that people jump on the Daniel fast because do something that's going to put your flesh under. You can Daniel fast and eat a ton of food. You can gain weight on the Daniel fast while you're on the on the fast. And uh, that's not the point. That's not what we're doing. So I'm encouraging you to get to get involved um, in a way that's going to be meaningful, that's going to be scriptural, and that's going to do what a fast is meant to do in your life. And so that's what we're doing for 21 days. And then I want to personally invite you because one of the things you can do to really maximize, and those of you that are jumping on, thank you uh, for jumping on and take a minute to share the broadcast if you haven't done so already. I appreciate it. I want to invite you personally to join me because one of the one of the ways to really maximize the fast is to get into the presence of God, get into preaching, teaching, uh, and and you know we need to be in that atmosphere as we're spending time in fasting and prayer. So I want to invite you uh, to join me. I'll be in Roswell, Georgia, this coming week, Sunday through Friday, um, and this is right outside of Atlanta. Roswell, Georgia, World Harvest Church. Uh, the details are on the screen, but they're also on our website, miracleword.com. You can get the directions. You can get all the details and service times, but we're going to be going all week long in Roswell, Georgia, and I want to invite you to join me because these are going to be powerful meetings, and we need to begin the year in revival. It's important how you begin your year, and we're beginning the year in revival. So, if you can't make all six days of this meeting, I would I would love to see you for just a few days. If you can only do one, two days of the meeting, come and be a part of what God's doing. This is going to be, I know it already in my spirit, this is going to be a breakthrough meeting uh, that we're going to have, and I'm setting my faith for miracles. So I want to invite you to come and be a part of this meeting, and then if you're up north, right after that meeting concludes, I'm beginning the next Sunday, the 12th through the 15th, I'll be in the Bronx in New York City. And uh, all the details again are on miracleword.com. If you're in the North, would like to come and be a part of a revival meetings at the beginning of the year, come to the Bronx in New York City. And it's going to be four days, supernatural. I'm believing God for miracles. And I want to see you there. Whatever you've got to do, come and be a part of one of these meetings. And then on the 17th 
of this month, I'll be with my father in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Raleigh Convention Center, one night miracle meeting. Uh, and if you can make that, you need to be there. Anybody from Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, the surrounding areas, Kentucky, you need to come and be a part of this one night miracle meeting. It's at the Raleigh Convention Center. You can get all the details on the website and uh, it's going to be powerful. So don't miss it. Spend some time at the beginning of this year in the presence of the Lord. Spend time in revival and watch what God will do. This is a supernatural time. And so I'm encouraging you to come and be a part of that. Today, I want to spend uh, the time we have left together. Oh, let me make one more uh, announcement. We began our January mission for the Miracle Word Kids Bible Reading Plan. And if your kids have not yet gotten involved with this, man, get them involved. This has been awesome. And uh, you can go to miraclewordkids.com and uh, all the resources are downloadable right there from the site all the plan for January to get your kids involved. Uh, it's awesome. And I can't wait. I cannot wait to see all the pictures of the kids uh, getting involved. We put it, by the way, we put all of the kids in the magazine, uh, in this new magazine uh, that's coming out. Let me pop that up for you. Uh, you should be getting this in just a few days. Literally, if you're a part of this mailing list, we shipped these out, you know, well over what, two weeks ago now. So obviously bulk mail takes a little while to get uh, get to you, but you should be getting this magazine very soon. We took three pages uh, to introduce Miracle Word Kids and to show you all the children that are getting involved. It is awesome, and I'm so excited about it. If you don't get the magazine you'd like to, go to miracleword.com forward slash live. You can sign up and uh, not only receive the magazine, but emails from us every week uh, just to keep you updated with what's going on. This is going to be a phenomenal year, and so I want to invite you to come and be a part of everything that you can. It's really, really going to be supernatural. So, yeah, I mean, seven to seven is fine, Bonnie. I mean, however, however you want to do it. Uh, Bonnie's asking if the se seven to seven uh, instead of six to six is all right. I say yes to that. You know, whatever you can do, um, you know, whatever you can do, really to be faithful to it. And that's, you know, if you got to go seven to seven or eight to eight, you know, do whatever you feel to do, but spend actual significant time fasting and praying and seeking the face of God during this 21 days. It is extremely important that you do because see, this is something God set up for his people to get into. I call it the power filling station for the believer. Fasting and prayer is the power filling station for the believer. And uh, we'll touch on some of that today. But I want you to see this with me. We're going to be, I'm going to be showing you some things from scripture. Hey, Tracy, good to see you. I didn't have everybody for some reason on Facebook. The, the Facebook comments didn't come up today for some reason. So let me say what's up to, there's my mom and dad, Susan Padovano, uh, Bill, good to see you, Matt Renzi, Caitlin LaValle, uh, Bonnie Benedict, Samson's on, Neefs is on, uh, Catherine Music's on from the Yukon Territory, Lisa Lamb, who else do I see? Lisa Stevens, Dave Siriano's in the house, Trace Williams. Thanks for joining me, guys. Take a minute to share the broadcast. I want to show you something here from, um, I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. And then I'm going to take you to um, John 8, 32. But I want you to see something at the very, very beginning of the broadcast today. And that is this fact, that the word of God is the origin of all power. The word of God is the origin for all power. And I want to read this to you. 
The Bible says in Genesis chapter one and verse three, it says, and God said, let there be light and there was light. So I started with that because I want you to see when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things have to come to pass. And Isaiah 55 says that when God releases his word out of his mouth, it always accomplishes what he sends it to do. It never returns to him empty or void. It prospers in the thing whereunto he has sent it. That's Isaiah 55, 11. The word of God is the source for all power. And that's why I said in John 8, 32, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth that you know will make you free. So God's word carries power to set you free or to make you free. The word of God, those of you that are watching, I want you to pop it into the comments section. The word of God is the source for all power. The word of God is the source for all power. Put that in the comments section. And it's very important to understand on this fast. And on any fast in the time of fasting and prayer. The word of God is the source for all power. That's right. Thank you. Somebody yesterday was wondering why I repeat things because people learn through repetition. They don't learn from having heard once they hear from, they, they learn from having heard over and over and over. When I say something over and over and over again, it's because I'm drilling it into your spirit. I want you to remember it and never forget it. People think that I just have like a, you know, somebody was writing in the comments yesterday, like I just had bad public speaking skills. Don't repeat yourself. That's a bad habit. No, when I say something over and again, I'm drilling it into your spirit. I want you to receive what I'm saying. I'm saying it over and over. You know, God repeated himself. There are actual verses in the Bible that are uh, literally identical and, and they're listed like six times in scripture. What do you think? God just had bad, bad writing skills. The Holy Spirit was like a poor writer that he had to repeat himself. Or was he drilling something into your spirit? He wants you to hear it over and over again. And that's what I'm doing. So the word of God is the source for all power. I want you to catch that with me because one of the things, and of course, we're fasting and praying and prayer is powerful. But if you guys didn't see um, it, today, I, I released on social and we'll do this every day on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, we are releasing prayer points every day with the scripture verse for you guys to kind of kickstart your devotions in the, in the day during the fast. And um, the reason that we add the verse of scripture that the prayer is based on is because God only honors his word. God only honors his word. His word is what carries power. In fact, he said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one and verse 12, I am watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over my word to perform it. And so the word of God is the source of all power. And that's why we base our prayer on God's word. It's why we base our actions on God's word, because it's the source of power. He said, when my word leaves my mouth, it never fails. It always comes back prosperous. It always comes back having accomplished what I sent it to do. And that's the same for us. That's why we get into this word. And today, one of the things I want to teach you 
about the about fasting and prayer is how to maximize your time in fasting and prayer. And this is it. I want you to go with me to the temptation of Jesus, Matthew chapter four. And I want you to see something so interesting that Jesus said, I'll never forget this now. I heard this taught and I'll never forget this principle. This is what you should understand in a time of fasting and prayer. The devil is tempting Jesus in every area during his time of fasting and prayer. And uh, I want you to see what Jesus said. The Bible says in verse three uh, of Matthew four, and the tempter came and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now stop right there. Why did the devil tempt Jesus to turn stones into bread? Because the devil was trying to get Jesus to break his fast. The devil was trying to get Jesus to break his fast. See, even the devil knows how powerful fasting and prayer is. And the devil did not want Jesus fasting and praying. The devil did not want Jesus fasting and praying. So what's he doing? Make these, uh, turn these stones into bread. Then you can eat. You know why that was a temptation? Jesus was hungry. And the Bible even says he was hungry. The Bible says, and after his fast ended and he hungered, meaning he was not doing it supernaturally. He did it as a man and was hungry throughout his fast. And the devil knew that he was hungry and tempted him to eat instead of fast and pray. Tempted him to eat instead of fast and pray. And so he said, take these stones and turn them into bread. And I love Jesus' response. You need to see this. Jesus said, it is written. See, Jesus goes directly to the word of God. Anytime the devil tried to tempt Jesus, Jesus went directly to the word of God as his answer to the devil. You know why? Because Jesus understood that the word of God carries supernatural power. It would be pointless for Jesus to sit there and just argue with the devil in his own strength. Why would he waste time doing that when he could just speak the word of God and cause the devil to flee from him? And so look at this. After he was tempted to turn those stones into bread, look what Jesus said. He said, no, it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I want you to see this because this is going to stir you up today. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know what Jesus was, was saying here? that although the devil was tempting him to eat natural bread, Jesus was saying, I'm eating spiritual bread right now. I'm eating spiritual bread. I'm feasting on the word of God and prayer. I am partaking in spiritual bread. And you know, if, if you don't understand this or you haven't seen this connection before, the Bible teaches <clears throat> in uh, Matthew chapter, or excuse me, John chapter six, that Jesus is the bread that has come down from heaven. And Jesus is the word made flesh. So I wanna, I wanna show you something here. Jesus is the word made flesh, John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and was full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the word of God 
and he was made flesh. But notice this in John six, five chapters later, Jesus said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. So the word of God, and I'm going to get this, uh, I'm going to give you something here, uh, in, in dealing with the nutrition, the supernatural nutrition of God's word in maximizing your fast. But notice Jesus' response to the devil in Matthew 4. He says, I'm not living by natural bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was teaching, the word of God is spiritual bread unto me. The word of God is spiritual bread unto me. I want you to write that in the comments section. The word of God is spiritual bread unto me. I want you to pop that down. The word of God is spiritual bread unto me to me. See, this is a very, very important principle in fasting and prayer that I think many people never catch, but you can literally, and I've heard it taught this way, which is an amazing thought that you can even literally curb your hunger. I've heard many ministers teach this, that fast and pray. You can literally, because hunger is uh, literally a, um, it's a function of the flesh, not the spirit. Natural hunger is a function of the flesh, not the spirit. But as your spirit man begins to take over, you can satiate yourself. You can satisfy your soul, the Bible says, with the presence and the, and the word of God. And so one of the things we do is uh, when we fast, we're fasting natural food, but we're not fasting spiritual food. This should become a time where you eat spiritually more than ever. Like a spiritual glutton, you eat and eat and eat on God's word. You feed on it. You feed on it hungrily every single day. It's supernatural. I remember listening to, um, or reading, I should say, reading a book by F.F. Bosworth called Christ the Healer. It was his claim to fame. It was his most famous book. And in that book, he said, most Christians, this is a quote from uh, F.F. Bosworth. He said, most Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day and feed their spirit one cold snack a week and wonder why they're weak in faith. So the point he was making here, if you, if you understand what he was saying, he was saying that there are, are Christians all over the world that put more thought into how they care for their body than how they care for their spirit. And they feed their body constantly, which is why their flesh is strong, but they don't feed their spirit often, which is why their spirit is weak. And you can be weak in spirit. And I'm going to talk about this, this um, thought today about how you can be weak in spirit or strong in spirit. And see, part of what fasting and prayer is to do is to make us strong in spirit, to make us strong in spirit. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 10, that if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is too small. Proverbs 24, 10, if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is too small. So it is powerful, it is possible, I should say, for people to fail or to faint in the day of adversity. The Bible teaches you can. You can faint. Why? Because your spiritual strength is not where it should be to succeed or to be victorious. Did you know, and this is this blows people's minds, did you know that you can literally be filled with the Holy Ghost and still lose battles in life. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't, just because you're filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you automatically win every battle. 
It means you've got the power to win every battle, but you've got to fight the good fight of faith. If people aren't willing to fight the good fight of faith, they can't lay hold on what's in eternal life, which is victory. And so there are people all over the place that are filled with the spirit, but still losing battles. Why? Because their strength is too small. And so you've got to do what the apostle Paul taught the church in Ephesus to do. What did he say? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So catch this. And that's found in Ephesians chapter six. Paul told them, and by the way, if you haven't done so yet, take a minute and share this broadcast. Paul told them, he said, be strong in the Lord. Now, that was a command. Paul commanded them to do that. But notice this. You don't have to command someone to do something that's automatic, right? So if I'm a, a male, a human male, nobody has to command, command me, be a man, be a male, be a biological male. I am that. Whether you command me to or not, it's automatic. It's what I was born. So you can't, you don't have to tell me to be that. I already am that. You don't, no one has to point their finger at me and say, be Caucasian, be, you don't have to do that. I'm already that automatically by birth. It's what I am. So you don't have to command me to be it. I already am it. You see what I mean? So the only reason that there is a command ever that comes forth to you or to me is because it's possible to go the other direction. When somebody especially the Lord, commands you to do something, it's because it's possible to make a choice that does not follow that command. For example, all the, all the times that Paul wrote back to the churches commanding them to live free from sin. Well, Paul would have never had to command Christians to stay free from sin or live free from sin if it was impossible for Christians to sin, which, by the way, some people believe. Some people believe that once you become a Christian, it's impossible for you to ever sin again. That's not true. If it was true, Paul wasted a lot of parchment writing letters to churches, encouraging them not to sin. The reason that he commanded them to live free from sin is because it's possible for Christians to fall into temptation and to commit sins. But thank God the Bible says that if we have committed sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the reason the command goes forth is because there's a choice. And so when Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, the reason he had to command that is because it's possible for Christians to be weak in the Lord and in the power of his might. And that's when he begins to encourage them to put on the full armor of God. In fact, let's look at that because it plays into what I'm talking to you about today. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'll read to you what Paul said. Listen to this. Finally, this is verse 10, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. Now, I want to show you something that maybe you've never seen. I'm getting ready to read to you the armor of God. But even though all these pieces are listed, 
I want you to realize something today that the entire armor of God is only made up of two elements. Those two elements are holiness or righteousness and the word of God. That's it. Holiness or righteousness and the word of God. Let's look at it. The Bible says putting on the whole armor of God. So what what is the armor of God? Uh, Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. What is truth? The word of God. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So the belt of truth is representative of the word of God. Go further. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. There it is. The second element, righteousness or holiness, right standing with God. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What is the gospel? It's the word of God. There it is again, the the word and righteousness or holiness. Go on to the next one. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. What is faith? How does faith come? By hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing. Your shield is you having heard the word of God with, with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one and take what? The helmet of salvation. What is salvation? Righteousness, holiness, second element once again. Um, And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There it is again, the word of God. And so you understand the entire armor of God is made up of his word and holiness or righteousness. And the Bible says that you can be strong by putting on these elements. And so that's why I'm talking to you today about the power of the word of God. It is the origin of all power. God's holy word. It is the bread that has come down from heaven. And you're you're not supposed to just live by natural bread, but by spiritual bread. Not just by natural bread, but by spiritual bread. Catch this with me in Acts chapter 20. The word of God has the power to not only establish you, but to give you an inheritance. And as we're fasting and praying for these next 21 days, we're believing for a foundation of increase, a foundation of favor, but also to receive our inheritance from the Lord. Listen to what Paul said to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So Paul taught the Ephesian elders that the word of God is able to, number one, build you up, and number two, give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So if you're a part of God's sanctified family, you have an inheritance that is coming to you, and the way that you receive it is by the mighty word of God. This is why during this time of fasting and prayer, you've got to have avenues where you are digesting, ingesting the word of God into your spirit man. The word of God is to be uh, eaten by your spirit man. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, write this one down. It's a very important scripture in regard to this. Jeremiah the prophet actually wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I found your words and I did eat them and they became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. That's Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. 
I found your words and I ate them. I ate them. The word of God is to be devoured by your spirit, man. It's to be eaten. As Jesus said, I'm not just going to eat natural bread, but by every word, I'm going to, I'm going to devour the words of God. I'm going to devour the words of God. I am going to eat the words of God. And so Jeremiah said that. There's my friend, Pastor Aaron Butler. I love you. He said, I'm going to devour the word of God. I'm going to eat the word of God and let it fill my spirit. For the word of God is the source or origin of all supernatural power. And Jesus said, I am the word uh, or the bread that has come down from heaven. And so I want you to see this with me today, that there is no supernatural strength without proper spiritual nutrition. There is no built up or supernatural strength without supernatural nutrition. What did John say in 3 John 2? Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So your, your natural prosperity of wealth, health, whatever it may be, it is a mirror of how your soul is prospering in the body of Christ. If you're not building up your spirit, man, if you're not building up your spirit, your soul, then as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you can't change what's in your soul and what's in your spirit, you'll not see the change on the outside. You will manifest what is on the inside of you. You'll manifest what's on the inside of you. That's why you've got to condition yourself with the mighty word of God on a daily basis. So I want to show you this. I want to give you six levels of nutrition in the word of God. This is a powerful thought. Six levels of nutrition in the word of God. The word of God is at six different levels that I've seen in the Bible Six different levels of nutrition for the believer. The first is number one. You can put them in the comments section. Number one is the water of the word. The water of the word. This is found in Ephesians chapter five and verse 26. The Bible says that God may sanctify his church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word the washing of water with the word. So the very first level of nutrition in the word of God is the water of the word. Ephesians 5.26, Susan. Ephesians 5.26. It is the washing of water with the word. So what does this level speak of? When the word of God comes to you, it has the ability to cleanse you, to wash you, to renew your mind. The Bible says he cleanses his church with the washing of water by the word. It's a cleansing. It's something that makes you clean. It'll make your mind clean. You can renew your mind with the washing of water by the word. It cleanses your heart. It cleanses your soul. One of the things that happens as you intake the water of the word, as you're reading the word and listening to it preached and taught, what happens is the word goes into you is it begins to show you what needs to change, what needs to leave, what needs to be added. And because it does, it is giving you a guide or a mark where you can make the change that is necessary to be pure before the Lord. You need to make the change that is necessary to be pure before the Lord. The word of God shows us that as we're reading it, the conviction of God will come upon our hearts 
the, the prick of the Holy Spirit, if you will. He pricks your spirit and lets you know this area of your life needs to be changed. This area of your life needs to have a few things fixed up. And the word of God is that guide, that guard that comes in and washes us clean. It's the very base level. But as you know, and as I know, water is not enough to bring nutrients into a body. You need more than water if you're going to build up supernatural strength. So the water of the word is the very base level of nutrition in the word of God. But the next level, this is number two, the next level of nutrition in the word of God is what we would call the milk of the word. The milk of the word. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as Paul is dealing with a very immature body of believers in Corinth. And, you, and we can see that Paul's a little bit frustrated in ministering to them because he wants them to go further than they are and mature in the things of God and not stay as babies in the body of Christ forever, but gain some maturity. And listen to what Paul said. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul said, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not yet ready. So Paul was saying that there's another level above the water of the word, and that's the milk of the word. That is something that infants need. It's something that babies must have, milk. And so there's the milk of the word. You know, I always, I always wondered, I'm not a pastor, but I can only imagine when pastors have to minister to their congregations on Sunday morning, it's a very interesting thing because you have people in the congregation at many different levels of spiritual maturity. And as a pastor, you have to be able to feed a meal on Sunday that actually is um, proper for every level of maturity that's in the body. So you've got people there that are not saved and so you've got to give them the gospel. You've got people there that are babies in Christ. They need the milk of the word. Then you've got people there that are a little bit more mature. You've got to give them something else. Then you've got the most mature people, and they need the meat of the word, and you go on further. But, you know, I always think about the fact that you've, you've got a congregation full of people that need different levels of nutrition at where they're at in their walk with Jesus Christ. And so there are different levels of nutrition in the body of Christ. So number two, Paul taught that there was the milk of the word. Then my friend Aaron Pastors, he knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's something that you have to be mindful of as a spiritual leader because you, know, you can't feed a baby a T-bone steak. It, it doesn't work. First of all, the baby doesn't have teeth to chew the steak and doesn't have the dexterity to cut up the steak. So you have to give a baby milk. And so it's something that we as spiritual leaders deal with, but understand it's because everybody's at different levels of maturity and God wants us to mature. And you can see that through what the apostle Paul said to the church. He almost was rebuking them for staying infants in Christ. He said, let's go on beyond the, the baseline teachings of the word. Let's go to the deeper things. And so number three, the third thing we see after the milk of the word is the bread of the word. It is the bread of the word. And as I read you in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then of course, in the gospel of John chapter six, the Bible says, Jesus is speaking here 
in verse 38, Jesus says this, for I have come down from heaven. And let me, let me start with verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said, that, I said, you've seen me and you do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever the father and whoever comes to me, I'll never cast out for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is the bread that comes down from heaven. And so the third level of nutrition in the word of God is the bread of the word. And you know, as well as I do, bread can give you energy. Bread can give you super energy. I mean, that you think about that, how even athletes, you ever think about this, how even athletes carb up before they go and, and do, uh, I remember they used to have us do that for, before we had basketball games. They would give us a few hours before the game, some sort of a pasta dinner, or they'd take it to an Italian restaurant and give us uh, uh, pasta. Why? We're carving up and getting that into our bloodstream. It really breaks down into sugar for your bloodstream, gives you energy to go and do what you're about to do. The bread of the word, it gives you an energy the, have you ever felt that? Have you ever had the impartation of the word come into your spirit and it literally caused you to have like a supernatural energy, like you were ready to take the world? That's, that's the energy of the Holy Ghost. That's the power of God. John G. Lake used to refer to it as the lightnings of God that flowed through his body. It's the bread of the word. It energizes you and gets you ready to do what God's called you to do. He said, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. You know what I love? Jesus said, same chapter, John chapter six and verse 63, he said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Then look what he says. The words that I give you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I give you, they are spirit and they are life. So when the word of God comes to you, it is literally spiritual life and virtue. It is spiritual life and virtue that jumps into your body, that jumps into your spirit. And that's what the word of God does. It's the bread of the word. Number four is found in Hebrews chapter five. And we move on from the bread of the word to the strong meat of the word, the Bible says. Hebrews chapter five and verse 13. And I'll, I'll start at verse 12. No, let me go on to verse 13. The Bible says, um, no, you know what? Let's do that because it, it, Paul, the, the writer of Hebrews is giving a breakdown uh, of these different level, levels of maturity. Listen to this. Hebrews 5, um, let's start with verse 11. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. See, now the writer of Hebrews is rebuking these believers. Look at verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature. You see that? Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let me read it to you here in the King James Version. The Bible says in verse 14, but strong meat 
belongs to them that are full age. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. That's Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14 in the King James. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. And so the very next level after the bread of the word is the strong meat of the word. The strong meat. And notice as we're going through it what he's talking about. It's for the mature. It's for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. So as you take solid food in the spirit, as you take the meat of the word, let me, let me give you an example of this. You know, as, as let's say a minister was preaching and like this, a rebuke is going forth. Someone who's immature cannot receive correction. Immature people get offended when they're corrected. They get mad. They get angry. They're ready to leave. They're ready to go out and leave the church and go somewhere else or stop attending church. Why? There's an immaturity there that you're not able to receive correction, direction, or not, not able to receive a rebuke. Even though the Bible teaches that part of our responsibility as uh, spiritual leaders is to uh, rebuke and to correct and to exhort. There's many people that can't receive it because they're immature in the faith. So they need the milk. They need to be raised up on the milk of the word until their spirit is mature. But then the Bible says that for the mature, for those that can see the Bible teaches in Proverbs, mature people love correction. They seek out correction because they understand correction is just direction. They understand it. Correction is just direction. So as I mature in the things of God, what's actually happening is I am able now through my maturity in the spirit to receive correction and not get angry, to receive direction, to receive instruction, to receive reproof without being uh, offended and ready to leave the church. I don't know who he thinks he is talking to me like that. No, I need correction. I need direction. You know, you would never put put an address into Google Maps on your phone and then get mad at your phone every time it told you to make a turn. That's stupid. Who's going to put in a direction to a restaurant and that says in 500 feet, turn right. And then you start screaming at your phone. Who do you think you are telling me where to go? I'm a full grown adult. It's like, no one's going to do that because they understood. And, and, And listen to me, when Google maps tells you to make a turn, it's a correction because if all you did was stay on that road, you're going the wrong way and you're never going to get to where you're going. So what does it do? It corrects your, your direction. You're going straight right now, but you need to take a right. You need to take a right. If you're going to get to where you're supposed to be going, you need to take a right. Um, It's a course correction. Stop going east and start going south, you see. And so that, that that's exactly what correction is. It's direction. But only the mature can receive it and be happy about it. And the Bible says that wise people seek out correction, but a fool hates correction. A fool hates correction. And so part of the thing, as we get more mature, as we're building up spiritual strength, getting into the meat of God's word, it allows us to receive correction with joy, knowing that's for me. I'm now going to go higher because of the fact I'm being corrected and receiving reproof. It takes maturity, takes the strong meat of the word the Bible teaches. You know what I love about that? I, I usually, I use the analogy of being in the gym and doing a workout. If you hired a trainer to show you what you need to do to build muscle, you know, he's going to come and correct your technique. You might be sitting there doing curls, but you're doing it all wrong. You're swinging your back, swinging your body, you know, lifting the wrong way. You might be quote unquote doing the exercise, but you're not going to build muscle 
because your technique is wrong. What is a what's a trainer going to do? Walk up to you and say, hold on a second. You're doing that exercise wrong. Don't swing your back. Isolate it. Put your elbows at your side and allow your biceps to do all the lifting. Let full extension on the arms. Let it come all the way up. Isolate that muscle and let it do the work. When you take that correction and change your course, you're going to start to see growth. And the same thing is true in the spirit realm when the spirit speaks to you through a man or woman of God and you receive that correction, it's just direction. And when you follow it, you're going to see growth. Part of what we're going to do on the fast, we're going to receive course correction and we're going to see growth in Jesus name. We will see growth in the mighty name of Jesus. So number four is the strong meat of the word. Let's move on to number five, Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, and look, let's look at two verses, Proverbs 24, verses 13 and 14. Number five is the honey of the word. We move on from the strong meat of the word to the honey of the word. Listen to this, Proverbs 24, verses 13 and 14. My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that, you, that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Let me re read that again in case, case you missed this. This is number five, the honey of the word. The honey of the word. The writer says in verses 13 and 14, My son, eat honey, for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Look at verse 14. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there'll be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Hallelujah. Your hope will not be cut off in Jesus name. Honey to your soul. That's what the writer's telling us. Wisdom is honey to your soul. The only wisdom there is, is the mighty word of God. It is the truth beyond all human wisdom. You know how I know that? The Bible says God spoke to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, and he said, um, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God is saying, my wisdom is so far beyond human wisdom, you can't even understand it. And so that's why the writer of Proverbs says that godly wisdom is honey to your soul. And when you find it, I love this promise, when you find it, there will be a future and your hope shall not be cut off. I'm telling you today by the power of the Holy Ghost, expect a future that is bright in Jesus' name. Expect a future that is bright in the mighty name of Jesus. Do not expect yourself to walk into failure, calamity, problems, issues, disaster, accidents. That's not your story in Jesus' name. As the word of God comes to your spirit during this time of fasting and prayer, expect your future to be bright. Expect your hope to never be cut off, but to be matched by the mighty power of God. God is the one who will make your story different. You will look different than the rest of this world because wisdom is coming to your soul in Jesus' mighty name. And that's why you need to spend time during the fast ingesting the mighty word of God, not just through reading it. And I'm gonna get to that in a moment. Not just through reading it, but through preaching and teaching. 
Number six, let's do this. I love, I love this. This one is, is powerful. Genesis chapter 49, Genesis chapter 49, verses nine and 12. Genesis 49, verses nine and 12. The final one, the sixth level of nutrition in the word of God is the wine of God's word. The wine of God's word. Look at Genesis 49 and verse 9. The Bible says Judah, which is, by the way, the tribe that you're in and the tribe that I'm in, every person in the body of Christ is a member of the tribe of Judah, if you didn't know that. Every member of the body of Christ is in the tribe of Judah. The reason we know that is because we came into the body of Christ, into the spiritual nation of Israel through Jesus. And Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came through the lineage of David, who was a part of the tribe of Judah. And we came into the body of Christ through Christ, who is our elder brother, the Bible teaches, and God is our father. We came in through the family of God into the tribe of Judah through Jesus Christ. Every member of the body is a member of the tribe of Judah. And here in prophecy, look at this, Genesis 49, 9, the Bible says Judah is a lion's cub. So that, by the way, it's important to understand that this passage is talking about Judah as a young lion, not fully matured yet. In prophecy, looking forward, this is Judah as a young lion. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness, who dares to rouse him? Now, in description of this lion, look at verse 12. And his eyes are red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. His eyes are red with wine, his teeth are white with milk. And obviously that's because he's, at this point, still a young lion. But notice his eyes are red with wine. One of the things that happens when you fill yourself so fully with the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is that you become intoxicated with the word of God. You become intoxicated with the power of God. Go to Acts chapter two. I'm going to show it to you. Something changes in your life when you receive the impartation of God's word and his spirit. You become intoxicated with the wine of God's word. You've heard people talk about being drunk in the spirit. It, it, it's an intoxication. It causes you to do things that you'd never do in the natural. You hear what I'm saying? It causes you to do things that you would never do in the natural. What? The intoxication of the wine of God's word. Now, Peter, the apostle, was an interesting case study. Because although he loved Jesus, his flesh was weak and he would fail Christ. And uh, even though he was the only uh, disciple to walk out on the water, he still took his eyes off Christ and began to sink looking at the circumstances. Flesh was weak. He said, Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never. And Jesus said, you know, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Oh, I'll never deny you. Lord, I'll never. And he said, yes, you will. And then before the, the next dawn. Peter had denied Jesus three times. In fact, he spoke to a little servant girl 
in front of a fire after the crucifixion. And she said, aren't you one of those from Galilee? You, aren't you one of those that uh, you followed after Jesus? You're, no, you don't know. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking Denied Jesus. Why didn't he have the boldness to stand up as an apostle and to say, yes, that's my Lord and Savior, Jesus. I know him. I belong to him. He was not yet intoxicated with the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of God's word. But then the day of Pentecost took place. Hallelujah. The day of Pentecost took place and they weren't just baptized in the word, which is Christ, but now they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that's a supplement. I want you to see this. The Bible says when there were thousands of men from all nations in Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost, and they were looking at the, the 120 that had been filled with the Holy Ghost and openly mocking them open, full-grown men, thousands of them, mocking God's people. And instead of being shy, instead of denying Christ, instead of taking putting his eyes on the circumstances, who is the first one to jump out of their seat with boldness, with eyes red with wine? It was Peter. Peter jumped up and started to shout, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel and so Peter goes on to preach the greatest message that had ever been preached in the history of the Christian church, which was being established on that day. And the Bible says thousands were added to the church. Thousands were added to the church. What changed Peter? The intoxication of the wine of God's word. It puts you in a place where something your flesh would never do, your spirit man pushes you to do. There's such a faith that rises up on the inside of you that you'll not be denied. You'll run out and begin to tackle giants and take out, take on what you'd never take on in the flesh by the intoxication of the word of God. David was so full of the word. Think about this. David was so full of the word of God that when he encountered Goliath, he immediately had to challenge and defeat him. And I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. God never told David to fight Goliath. Look through the Bible for yourself. You will not find an instruction from God to David or even a, a hint or a leading to fight Goliath. David was so full of the mighty word of God and so in communion with the word of God and with God himself that when he heard that uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming the one that David loved the most, something rose up on the inside of him. He didn't care that he was just a, a shepherd. He didn't care that he was just a servant, a young man, and the other man was a, a man of war that had won many battles and killed many men. He didn't care. Why? Intoxication of the word of God. God never told him to fight Goliath. He was just so in love with God and so full of God's word that when he heard that blasphemy, he said, I got to take him out. He cannot be allowed to speak about the most high God in this way. And David went out and destroyed Goliath by the power of God. Hallelujah. By the power of God. You will destroy giants in 2020 in the mighty name of Jesus. Things that have stood in front of you and your family and taunted you for years are falling down to the floor in 2020 in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And you'll take supernatural authority and walk in the power of God's word. 
And so in this time of fasting and prayer, let me encourage you, don't just, and, and obviously spend time fasting and praying. We should be praying at least an hour a day. I've dealt with that on the other broadcasts. Pray at least an hour a day. If you're going to really press in and, and you're going to really, you know, cut food out for 21 days, then pray, you know, pray at least an hour. It's not a long time. If you can do more, do more. But I remember Bishop Oyadepo saying, listen, if you're not going to fast and pray at least an hour a day, then you might as well eat something because you're not really seeking the face of God. I mean, think of all that we do for an hour or more in a day. And if we can't give that time to the Lord in prayer, we're not really pressing in to the presence of God. So as you're fasting, pray at least an hour a day. But number two, I want to say this to you. As I've taught all broadcast, ingest the mighty word of God on a daily basis. You should have a plan in place to read the word of God. What are you going to be reading today? What are you going to be reading tomorrow? What is your plan uh, to read through this 21 days of fasting and prayer? What are you going to read? What is your spirit going to eat from this word in the next 21 days? How are you feeding this spirit man the next 21 days? How? How are you going to do it? What's your plan? What's your strategy? And then stick to it and read the word of God. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. And, and I like, like you're, many of you are sitting here on the broadcast right now. We're doing broadcasts throughout the entire 21-day fast. So feed your spirit with preaching and teaching. Not only is the broadcast available, but we have Miracle Word Radio available that plays 24-7 preaching and teaching in our app. What are we doing? Giving you an avenue to build your faith constantly during this time of fasting and prayer. Uh, we have all kinds of videos on YouTube. By the way, if you haven't subscribed yet to my YouTube channel, go to YouTube and, and subscribe. It, I, I really appreciate you doing so. Search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., and subscribe to the channel. There's new videos all the time to build your faith, to build your faith. Listen, put on preaching, put on teaching. And listen to it. Get to these meetings. That's why I advertised these meetings, like where we're going to be in Georgia in the next you know, several days. We're going to be there Sunday through Friday, January the 5th through the 10th. And we're going to be preaching and teaching every single day to build your faith. I want you to be there. I want you to join me. If you can't come for the entire time, come for part of it. And be a part of this meeting to start the year in revival by the power of God. You know, what's the point? Take vacation. We take vacation days to do every other thing. Take vacation days to be in revival. We've got people that are going to be joining us. We've got people that are coming from New England to be a part of the revival in Georgia. Be a part of it. Come get involved in what God's doing on the earth. Those of you that are up north, I'm coming to the Bronx, January the 12th through the 15th for revival. I want to see you there. Start your year in the house of God. Start your year. It's Listen. Don't be one of those people that easily breaks the fast because you just kind of sit at home, you know, looking at your watch, hoping the fast is over, hoping it's time to go to bed. You know, get involved in the presence of God as you're fasting, as you're praying. Get involved in the mighty word of God and get involved in revival. There's a, there are things happening all over the earth. Be a part of it. Be a part of what God's doing. And I'm telling you, it'll change your life forever. So reading the word every day, along with your, your fasting and prayer. But let me give you a tip that helped me immensely. Correct, Alvria, no food. That's what we're doing for 21 days. Uh, no food, just liquids only. It will be live on Facebook, Samson. 
uh, just liquids only, Alvria. Um, and I understand there's people that have to do 6 to 6, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., not eating anything for that period of time, and then having you know a small meal at night. I understand that. But do something through these 21 days and get involved with this time of fasting and prayer. I'm going to give you a tip for when you're reading the Word of God that helped me so immensely uh, that I began to see more than ever before is I was getting ready one day to do my, my devotions in the Word. And I had set aside for myself John chapter 1 through John chapter 10 to really <clears throat> dive in <clears throat> and go deep and get as much revelation as I could from those 10 chapters. And um, <clears throat> the Lord stopped me ahead of time and he said, before you read, he said, pray the same prayers that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church <clears throat> before you read the word. And of course, I knew those prayers found in Ephesians chapter one and three, where he, he starts in verse 16, uh, you know, and begins to pray that Lord, let the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. They may know the hope of his calling rich, uh, the fullness of his inheritance of the saints, all those prayers. He said, pray them over yourself. And every time he says it for them, <clears throat> take it for yourself. And so I turned there and this is what I began to read. Lord, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let my, the eyes of my heart be enlightened that I may know the hope that you've called me to and the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints and the immeasurable greatness of your power toward me because I believe according to the working of your mighty power that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead, seated above. So I just pray him for myself. And he said, begin to pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon you. Well, I'd set aside an hour to read the word of God and then another hour to pray. And as I sat there, I had my notebook open, my pen. I started in John chapter one after praying those prayers and I began to go. I mean, I was getting verse after verse. I was getting revelation on those things. I filled up, I believe, nine pages of a notebook with notes God had given me, revelation on this scripture. I looked up and over an hour had passed and I still had not gotten out of John chapter one. The eyes of your understanding will open and a spirit of wisdom and revelation will come upon you. Do that before you spend time uh, reading the word of God and watch what God will show you. Ask God as you're listening to preaching and teaching that he'd open the eyes of your understanding and let you see clearly what he's saying to you. And I'm telling you, it will completely change everything about your devotional life. Kayla's asking, uh, that's Ephesians chapter one. Go from verse 16 to the end of the chapter, Samson. Kayla Nardi's asking, I just gave birth to my daughter Friday. Congratulations. And I'm breastfeeding. Is there something else I would be able to fast? Um, you know, we don't include pregnant women, breastfeeding mothers, uh, young children. You know, they're exempted from the fast. So, But in the time, God understands. God's the one that gave you the child. And so take care of the child. Make sure the child has nutrients and all that. But still take the time to press in in prayer and the word during these 21 days. Spend at least an hour a day praying. Uh, spend time in the word of God. Get involved. Listen to preaching. Listen to teaching. If you can make it to these meetings, make it. There'll be time throughout your, li that your, uh, your life uh, as Jesus tarries, uh, Kayla, that you can fast. Uh, you don't have to. I understand you're with, you've got your child. <clears throat> so pregnant women, nursing mothers, young children exempted from the fast, but still spend the time in, in prayer and still spend the time in the word of God.
And I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. Any questions I'll take before we pray today, but let me encourage you as we're starting in on this fast to take a moment by faith and sow a seed into the kingdom of God. Put yourself in position for increase. What are we confessing the next 21 days? Violent increase, expedited favor. Carolyn and I just sowed the largest seed that we've ever sowed or sown in our entire life, entire ministry, just released it into the kingdom of God. And it was a significant, significant seed that we just released into the kingdom. You know why? We're believing God that 2020 is going to be a year filled with uh, mighty miracles, with violent increase, expedited favor. And so what do we do? We don't just say that. Well, my God, this is going to be a year of violent increase. It's going to be a year of expedited favor. You can't just confess it. You have to take actions that will bring it to pass. Take actions that you could say all year. You you could say, it'd be like saying, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. But you keep living in sin and never accept Jesus as your savior. You can confess it all you want. It's not going to happen. As we're believing, Praise God for that testimony. Linda said, I already saw a difference in my devotional time this morning. I'm telling you, you'll see a difference. It will be supernatural. But it's we're not just saying it. I want you to know that. We're not just saying it's going to be a year of uh, you know, supernatural favor, expedited favor, violent. No, I'm not just saying that. I'm taking actions that are provoking the favor of God. I'm taking actions that are provoking the power of God. And one of the surest ways that you can provoke the favor and the increase of heaven on your life is by sowing seed, without question, by sowing seed. And so Carolyn and I, and I'm telling you, it took faith because we stepped out with knowing what we've got things to accomplish for the future. We have things God's asked us to do, but we said, Lord, we we need your hand of blessing on our life. We need your hand of blessing on our ministry. So we're not going to lay back. We're not going to lay back and just keep saying it's coming. We're going to take actions in obedience with your word that will bring those things to pass. And so we, we just laid out the largest seed that we've ever sown one time. And of course, every year we give more than the last, but the largest seed we've ever sown in one time in the history of our lives. And God's going to honor that by our faith in Jesus' name. We're going to see so much increase in 2020. It's going to blow our minds. And so I want to encourage you to do the same. Sow a seed today by faith. If you're sowing on Facebook or Periscope, you can use hashtag donate to sow a seed today. Uh, if you'd like to sow via, uh, via Cash App, you, you can see on the screen our cash tag is MWGive. Also, you can sow by PayPal, and the information's there on the screen. The email address is info at miracleword.com. And then, of course, you can go to the website, miracleword.com, and sow right there uh, on the website very securely. And I want to say thank you. Now, listen, here's what we're doing. To every person that sows $100 or more this month, I'm going to be sending you one of the most powerful books on fasting that was ever released And for years, the standard for the Pentecostal church on fasting and prayer, it's a book entitled God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. I'm going to send you a copy of this book for every person that sows $100 or more in January. 
uh, to say thank you. And this book will stir your faith and open your mind uh, and open your spirit to revelation on fasting that you may have never seen before. And then for every person that sows $1,000 or more in January, we're not only going to send you the book by Arthur Wallace, God's Chosen Fast, but we're sending you a genuine leather New Living Translation Bible made out from me to you to say thank you. And that's going to be what we're going to be doing for you to say a big thank you to everybody that's standing with us in partnership. We appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron, for sowing a seed. I love you. Appreciate all you're doing for the kingdom. I saw a question there earlier. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 uh, gives prayer and fasting as a reason for abstinence in marriage. Is that a suggestion, command, uh, or the only legitimate reason for abstinence in marriage? AJ uh, is bringing up a great point. This is where Paul is talking to the church about abstaining from sex. And um, he's talking about it in, in, the, uh, in the context of the only time you should do it. Because Paul taught about marriage that the, the body of the wife belongs to the husband and the body of the husband belongs to the wife. And so, you know, it's not right for any husband or any wife to deprive their husband or wife of sex. And so Paul's teaching here to the Corinthian church that if you're going to do it, only abstain from sex in your marriage relationship for times of fasting and prayer. He doesn't say you have to. He's just saying that this is the only situation that to more fully seek the word of God, seek the face of God. He's not saying you have to abstain. He's just saying, let this be the only time that you do abstain if you do. If you do. And then when your fasting and prayer is done, he's saying quickly come back together again in sexual relationship. And you know, you understand Paul's teaching on that uh, throughout the Bible. He's he, he, he says multiple times, he doesn't want people to burn with lust. It's better that you get married. If you're a young widow, it's better that you marry again rather than burning with lust and being carried away into foolish desires and pleasures. And so Paul was very serious about this. He dealt with this. Young people should get married. He talked about the fact that many people, uh, you know, that not everybody <clears throat> should be following after the single lifestyle. He said, there are people that God's calling to do that. He said, but that's not for everybody. It's better that they get married rather than burn with lust throughout their life. So uh, understand that what he's teaching. And of course, uh, AJ is referencing 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 7. And just for clarity, I'll, I'll bring that up for you guys here on the broadcast. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I believe he was looking at verse number 5. Listen to what the Bible says. And, and, let, and let, me, uh, let me go with context so that you guys hear what it says. Concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man and woman. Is, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps, perhaps, by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so Paul's saying that let that be the only reason that there's any deprivation uh, in marriage. Great question, AJ. It's not a command. It's just a suggestion. Praise God. 
Praise God. So I want to say thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds. We had people partner with us yesterday. Thank you for partnering with us. Uh, people are giving on PayPal, Cash App, on the website. Hashtag donate. Thank you for sowing. We appreciate you standing with us and believing God for increase in your own life and also for this ministry. Now listen, before I pray for you, let me tell you what I'm believing God is going to happen in your life and in your family. In this year of violent increase and expedited favor, I'm believing God that debts will be canceled in your life. I am believing that credit card debt will be canceled. I'm believing that student loan debt will be canceled. I'm believing that mortgages will be paid off, cars will be paid off, and that you'll become debt-free. I'm believing God will do that for you as you sow, as you're faithful. Set your faith and believe. I'm believing that God will give you an overflow to be a generous and a lavish giver in 2020. I'm believing with you that you will sow the largest seeds that you have ever sown into the kingdom in your life in 2020. Here's what we confess, Carolyn and I. Not just that we'll give more in total in this new year, which we will, but that we will sow the largest one-time seeds that we've ever released into the kingdom. And we did that for 2019 and 18 and 17 and 16 and all years before, but it's gonna happen again in 2020. We will exceed our giving for 2020 and we will exceed our one-time gift amount because God's gonna continue to increase us. But if he does, it's because we have increased our faithfulness in the kingdom, that you'll be more impactful for the Lord in 2020 than you've ever been. You'll see more souls saved through your own soul-winning life, that you'll see more people healed as you lay your hands on the sick, that you will see your church filled with new believers being discipled in the things of God. I'm believing that you will accomplish the purpose of God. If he's called you to launch a business in 2020, the wait is over. Launch it and do what God's called you to do. That God's going to give you ideas and strategies to be a blessing to your generation. You will be an asset and not a liability in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We're declaring it. So let's pray. And then I wanna just, I'm, I'm gonna release you. And of course, this is day one of the fast. Spend time in prayer, spend time in the word and watch what God will do. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all of your faithful people in the body of Christ around the world. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for setting us apart. Thank you for using us. Now, Lord, I ask you, as we enter into these 21 days of fasting and prayer, that we would see such a violent increase on our lives that people would not be able to understand what's going on. They would have to attribute the increase to the hand of God because it will be the only available explanation for what's happening in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it happen so quickly, Lord, that it, that it literally blows our minds what you're doing in our lives. We thank you. Now give us a hunger for your spirit. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a hunger to see you move on the earth. Give us a hunger to see the body of Christ advance and for us to do what you've called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us on this fast, Lord. Strengthen us as we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say amen. Amen. 
I love you guys so much. Thank you. If you didn't get a chance to share the broadcast today, take a minute and share it. I really appreciate it when you do. We love you too. Janine, thank you. If you didn't get a chance to subscribe to the YouTube channel, please do that today. I really appreciate you guys watching every single morning. I'll be back again tomorrow morning, 1030, same time, teaching on fasting and prayer. And uh, it's going to be a powerful, powerful day. I love you guys and uh, have a phenomenal day. First day of the fast, press into the spirit of God. I'll see you again tomorrow. Be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.